0: Good evening, everybody! It is March 29th. This is The Breakdown. I'm your host, Nate Pike. Oh boy, oh boy, have we got us a night ahead of us tonight. Um, we had a bunch of things that we were we were planning on talking about, hoping to talk about. Uh, the legislative session, for example, ended yet again a half hour, or sorry, not a half hour, a full week earlier than it was supposed to. This is Daniel Smith's second legislative session. And... It's the second time she's ended the legislature early. She did it right before Christmas, pissed off a whole bunch of kids and their teachers and their families were very excited about the the prospect of having a visit to the legislature while it was in session. Didn't happen. Well, she did it again. We wanted to talk about that. We had a bunch of other things that we wanted to talk about. But here's the thing. It's been a day, hasn't it? It's been quite the day. For anybody who is... Uh, just listening to this this episode or watching this episode, and somehow you haven't managed to avoid the flaming dumpster fire falling out of the sky that we had today. Don't worry about it. We're going to get you up to speed right away. Before we do that, though, before we get into the the nuts and bolts, it's good to remember how we got to where we are today. And to do that, we got to go. A little bit farther back than you might expect we've played this clip before we're going to play it again because one of the pieces that is foundational to understanding what we're going to try to talk about tonight and we're going to be opening up the floor once we do our little recap of the two big events of the day um, it's important to have some context in regards to how did we get here who are the players Well, obviously, there's one major player that we have to talk about, and that would be none other than Danielle Smith. There's been a lot of controversy surrounding Danielle Smith's knowledge of how much influence a elected official can have over government, um, over crown prosecutors, over prosecutorial decisions. We've done it before. We're going to do it again because we've got a lot to talk about tonight. Before we go anywhere, let's go all the way back to February 8th, 2019, and ask Danielle Smith how much influence elected officials or um, ministers of justice should be able to have over the decisions that are made.
1: Independence of the justice minister, uh, attorney general, is so important that they don't even sit with the governing caucus after they have been appointed. Because when you think about it, if you're going to be the top lawyer of the land, and you're going to be in, uh, called upon to question government wrongdoing, you're very likely going to have to question people who are making the decisions to uh, either give out multi-billion dollar contracts or stop prosecution on cases, and those are going to be government members. You have to have an independent person in this role, and I think, unfortunately, the new Justice Minister has demonstrated that they're just going to be uh, a lapdog defending the government's interests on this one. So I'm glad to see that it's going to a committee. We'll be able to see as Canadians how this process plays out. I think if anything warrants a Mueller, invest- a Mueller committee-style investigation, it's certainly this. And we'll see if we can get to the bottom of it.
2: Okay, you dropped the Mueller name there. In- oh,
1: my goodness. Yes, you did. But that's the, but that's the, the difference in our two systems, right? I mean, yeah. in the U.S., you've got a truly independent investigator looking at malfeasance uh, uh, at, the, at the highest office in the land. That's exactly what we need here.
0: That was Daniel Smith talking about the importance of an independent investigator when it comes to allegations of government corruption. And she's not wrong. It seems like Daniel Smith, back in 2019, knew very well that it was critically important that governments shouldn't be able to influence the decisions that prosecutors, crown prosecutors, make. Because you go down this whole slippery slope of oh, what's going on when we start to do that? If a, if a prime minister, because that example was SNC-Lavalin, if a prime minister is able to determine what prosecutions go ahead and what prosecutions don't, all of a sudden they're able to protect their friends and go after their enemies. So it's critically, critically important. Back in 2019, Danielle Smith, knew that. Danielle Smith knew what the powers that a premier and a government had. Now she came by this knowledge in a lot of different ways, presumably. She's uh, been a very active commentator for years and years and years. She did serve in uh, the legislature. She was the leader of the opposition. She has a lawyer friend who helped her cross the floor After he crossed the floor and then crossed the floor again. There's no shortage of reasons to believe that Daniel Smith should have at least a rudimentary knowledge of civics. And certainly Daniel Smith's comments, like the one we just played there, seem to demonstrate that historically she has. But there's been some problems of late. The first problem, this all started, obviously during Daniel Smith's leadership campaign, there were a lot of problems with some of the promises that she made and a lot of people went whoa 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 this isn't the danielle smith that we we know from the wild rose days this is a whole new danielle smith who's saying things that are demonstrably false she's claiming that the premier's office has powers that they demonstrably don't what's going on here And a lot of people thought, well, you know what, Travis Davis, he's going to be the next premier of Alberta. He's going to be the successor to Kenny. We don't have to worry about Daniel Smith too much. Turns out we did, because as we saw, Daniel Smith did win the UCP leadership race. She did then win a by-election, and she did become the premier of Alberta. Now, she did that riding on a wave of populism that was coming out. Of COVID-19 and the health measures that were put into place to protect Albertans, to protect the healthcare system, as the entire world navigated a global pandemic that cost hundreds of millions of lives across the world. We saw threats to the healthcare system here in Alberta, but there were a lot of people who either didn't understand the science or by people like Danielle Smith, who had her own little platform whether we're talking about her radio show or her pivot to online punditry, she spread a whole lot of information, disinformation, misinformation, in regards to the severity of the pandemic, in regards to possible treatment options. This is the wave that she rode into office. And there were a lot of people who thought, you know what, when she gets into office, I bet she levels out. I bet we see the Daniel Smith uh, unpredictability, the instability drop off. Except as we saw very early on, that's not at all what happened
1: about how our justice system works in watching things at the federal level and how the attorney general and the crown have an independence from the, the the premier's office the questions that i can ask and have asked and continue to ask is is it in the public interest yeah and is there a reasonable likelihood of conviction yeah and i think the longer that we go on seeing that prosecutions are not being successful it makes a stronger case yeah. on both of those fronts. That uh, if the conviction isn't likely, we, we know that we have a lot of pressure on our courts. Yeah. And if the public has now come to terms with wanting a different approach, is it in the public interest? It's, it, it'll, it's becoming increasingly hard to answer those two questions. Now, I've, I, I put it to the prosecutors, and I'm, I've asked them to do a review of the cases with those two things in mind. And I'm, I'm hopeful that uh, we'll we'll see a, a true turning of the page, because I think you're very right that something, something changed in February uh, when, the, when the Freedom Convoy took place, that I think people uh, realized that now we know more about this virus, we have more effective means to be able to address it, that some of the extreme measures that, were, uh, that may, have, may have had a lot of widespread support early on, they, they, they just don't have the same widespread support today. And so do you continue on in uh, prosecuting when when the public has has moved on that's the big question that the crown has got to, co- to come to terms with
0: that was danielle smith talking to ezra Levant as part of a year-end interview now that's not the only year-end interview that she did she also sat down with the western standard and she said a similar thing there was a very similar turn of phrase and that turn of phrase was that she's been talking to crown prosecutors Now, obviously, if that was actually happening, that would be a huge overreach for the reasons that I said earlier. We don't want elected officials deciding who are their friends, who are their enemies, who gets prosecuted, who doesn't. But Daniel Smith on multiple occasions said, I've been talking to Crown prosecutors. Now, the other thing that's important to realize here is that Danielle Smith is saying she makes the argument here and you're going to hear this argument again later on. She makes the argument where she says, you know what, if the if the crisis is over, is it still in the public interest to pursue convictions? Now, on on the surface, you might be able to look at that and say, well, you know what? those rules are no longer in effect. So maybe those rules shouldn't, maybe people shouldn't have to pay the price for breaking those rules. But here's the fundamental problem from that. And especially coming from a conservative premier and the party that espouses a love for the rule of law, the people who have been charged under the health measures that were put in place to protect Albertans, to protect the healthcare system, are people who willfully and deliberately and publicly violated those health measures, which were the law at the time. So let me just rephrase Daniel Smith's question. Is it in the public interest to tell people that during a state of emergency, they don't have to follow the law because that emergency will eventually be over? Well, of course it's not. This wasn't. Those two conversations weren't the two conversations, her conversations with the Western Standard and her conversations with the rebel media. Those weren't the two standards that kicked off the really big problems, though. That came at a press conference on January 12th.
3: The Independence Party of Alberta is calling on you to make good on the commitment to see the charges dropped on the pastor in question with the vaccine, public health restrictions, and things like that. Um, Are you still planning to make good on your commitment to drop those charges?
1: The the way our our system of, uh, of justice works is that we do have an independent justice department and independent Crown prosecutors. And I have asked them to consider all charges under the lens of is it in the public interest to pursue? And is there a reasonable likelihood of conviction? Um, As we continue to see some of these cases go through, some of them get dropped, some of them fail, they have to consistently recalibrate. But uh, I do want to make sure that they have an independent process for assessing that. But I ask them on a regular basis, um, as new cases come out, is it in the public interest to pursue? And is there a reasonable likelihood of conviction? And so I'll I'll leave the the justice system to work, but I, I I do think that's an important lens for us to be looking at these kinds of charges.
0: So yet again, there's Danielle Smith saying that she's talking to Crown prosecutors regularly. Now she's hedging it within the framework of, I'm just asking them these two questions. I'm asking them if it's in the public interest. I'm asking them if there's a reasonable likelihood of conviction. Now we've already addressed, I'd like to think, the public interest question. The reasonable likelihood of conviction. Obviously, that's going to depend on each individual case as they go through. But she's very clear. She's talking to crown prosecutors. Well, this touched off a bit of uh, a problem, not only for Daniel Smith because she said she couldn't do the pardons. She didn't. She didn't. It wasn't in in the power. To her shock, Daniel Smith, who sat as the leader of the opposition, whose lawyer, whose whose friend is a lawyer who was her campaign chair, who was the architect of a lot of the platform, the Free Alberta Strategy, the Alberta Sovereignty Act. He at no point apparently told her, we're left to assume, that a premier can't just issue pardons or clemency, which is really quite a fascinating uh, prospect. But there were a lot of people who were very, very upset that Daniel Smith said, oh, what, you know, I can't do the pardons. But finally, a lot of people started jumping on the wait a second. Did she just say what I think she said? Did she just say that she was talking to Crown prosecutors? Well, Daniel Smith's defense of that was that she was speaking imprecisely now this has become the subject of a lot of uh, internet memes and a lot of jokes and lord knows we get plenty of mileage out of it here on this show but her defense was i was speaking imprecisely when i said crown prosecutors i was actually thinking of the justice minister whoops just because it happened a bunch of times you know these accidents happen sometimes people who have the ability to influence economies and job decisions just misspeak about how they are or not influencing the justice system potentially. Daniel Smith was pretty quick to uh, make it very, very clear. Everybody knows you can't talk to a Crown prosecutor.
1: Of course, I've never called a Crown prosecutor. Uh, You're not allowed to do that as a politician. Everyone knows that. And I I took legal advice when I first got elected to find out if there was anything I could do to address issues that I'm quite concerned about, is the, the prosecution of those who were, uh, had been charged during COVID. I think everyone knows my views on that. And I, the advice I was given is that the only thing a Crown prosecutor can consider is whether there's a reasonable likelihood of conviction and whether it's in the public interest. When uh, I have raised, the only person I can raise this with as well, this is again, very well known. Uh, You can talk to your attorney general and their deputy. And so uh, I, I I wanted to ask them if they had looked at these cases in that light, they confirmed that that is the measure that Crown prosecutors use when they're looking at these cases reasonable likelihood of conviction if it's in the public interest and we're letting the court process play out. So I may have used some imprecise language, but my contact with the Justice Department has always been through the appropriate channels, and that's the Attorney General.
0: All right. So, in other words, no need for an uh, investigation independent or otherwise, uh, because you just said everything that you say is under scrutiny and you've got to go through the proper channels.
1: You have to. Uh, everyone knows that. And I would say that uh, the department has confirmed I have not talked to Crown prosecutors. And the the the, uh, the association itself has issued a statement saying I have not talked to, to Crown prosecutors. The, my language may have been imprecise. In, in I was referring to the Justice Department. My contact there has always been through the Attorney General.
0: So again, we have Daniel Smith saying, no, 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 everybody knows you can't talk to the Crown prosecutors. Nobody would ever say that. That's that's Absolutely ridiculous. You're not allowed to do that. Everybody knows that. Except for the fact that up until that point, she had then said three times that she had been contacting crown prosecutors, that she had been asking these questions, not just the once that she said there on her radio show or implied there on her radio show, but multiple times, as we're going to see in a couple of minutes. That definitely persists. We also saw her take a, a pretty clear stance when she appeared on the Sean Newman podcast on January sixteenth of
1: twenty twenty three, we're we're watching these cases unfold, and I think that's that we'll we'll see that that's the the kind of decision making that we we have to leave to the the crown prosecutors. I, I know that's I know that because we've been so influenced by the states, I think that some people I think that the uh, a premier has the same power as they do in the states of clemency or offering pardons and. I've not observed that that's the case in Canada. We just have a different criminal justice and different legal system. And once things have been handed over for prosecution, politicians have to be hands off. So I'm watching it all with great interest. I'm watching to see what those judgments are. Uh, But I do have to, to let that process play out.
0: So again, I just want you to hold on to that little clip. That little bit where Daniel Smith on the Sean Newman podcast says, you know, some people, they think it's just that American system. You know, we watch so much American TV. It's all the law and order. There's so many spinoffs, so hard to keep track of. But some people have the mistaken impression that that premiers can <laughs> they can do clemency. We can't do that. That's ridiculous. That's an American thing. Why would anyone think that? That's what she said. On January 26th, 2023. Obviously, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but the clip's right there. Y'all, y'all heard what she said. Well, this all caused quite a bit of furor. And on January 19th, the CBC released a story. And this story was the start of something pretty big that we're continuing to see uh, play out. What this story claims... And it's really important to realize CBC has not backed away from the story. And despite the fact that Danielle Smith said, oh, this is defamatory and it's all very bad and not true. The reality is there's been no legal action against the CBC that anybody is aware of. And certainly that's something that would have been reported on. It's also worth noting that the CBC claims to have multiple sources who, whose anonymity they are protecting but they know who these people are. So this isn't just some random email or some person sliding into their DM saying, hey, Hey, CBC, guess what happened? There's a lot of evidence to support what the CBC is saying, the CBC claims. Now, it's also worth noting that the two of the reporters, as well as a couple of other reporters who have tag teamed in on this story, are some of the most respected, professional, ethical, detailed journalists that cover Alberta politics. Period. End of sentence. And what the story spelled out was that CBC had been told that there had been communication from the Premier's office to the Crown Prosecutor's office, particularly pushing back on cases regarding the Coots blockade. Now, some of you will probably remember the Coots blockade was a blockade that occurred where the border block, the border crossing at Coots was blocked on the Canada side by a boatload of people with trucks and trailers and all kinds of things. It, was, it happened concurrently with the uh, uh, insurrection, I'm going to continue to call it, that we saw in Ottawa, the, the Freedom Convoy. That we saw in Ottawa. It happened concurrently with that. And the Alberta government at the time. Found themselves to be overwhelmed. It's well known. And it's a matter of record. That the Alberta government. Even went so far as to ask the feds for help. Rick McIver sent a a letter saying. We don't have the tools to move all of this heavy stuff. We need help. It's also worth noting. That there are criminal charges. Coming out of the Coots blockade. That have to do with. The planned anticipated, I'm not sure what the correct word is there, murder of RCMP officers. There was a small group that was part of the Kootz blockade that was actively, they had plans to bring weapons. They had statements on the record where they said that they, if anybody showed up, they were going to kill themselves a bunch of cops. That's a paraphrase. But that's one of the areas that the charges came out of. One of the other areas that some of the charges came out of was there was a pastor... And as we've discussed on our previous episodes just over the last week, it doesn't take very much to call yourself a pastor. You just put the word in front of your name and you can call yourself a pastor. So there was a pastor who had gone down to Coots who was telling people who were getting ready to leave. No, no, this is about freedom. You guys, you got to stay super important. We can't leave. We got to stay. We got to fight for freedom and other things that pastor was also charged. so there's a lot of different kinds of charges that came out of the Coots blockade. but what the CBC story alleged or reported was that uh, there had been emails from the Premier's office arguing that the charges some of the charges and we it hasn't been publicly revealed which ones, some of the charges were unfounded and there was other legal arguments that should be considered. Now, this in and of itself touched off a huge firestorm. And Daniel Smith very quickly said, no, 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 that's absolutely not true. The premier's office said, no, 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 that's absolutely not true. Worth noting, no affidavits at any point have been submitted. Nobody has uh, sworn on the record that they absolutely did not contact the uh, the Crown Prosecutor's Office. What did happen is An email search and the particulars of that email search get to be really, really important, really, really quick as well, because that email search only searched emails that were sent from the members of the Premier's office to the Crown prosecutors using their government email. As we've highlighted on the show before, there's a long-standing problem with the UCP in particular in government because they realized very early on, hey, people are going to try to like hold us accountable and junk. And uh, they're going to like do Freedom of Information Act requests. And that's going to boy, they're going to find stuff like maybe we decided to funnel a bunch of money to donators in certain education ministers writings maybe they could find that out you know what we should do we're going to start using all kinds of different platforms we're going to start using things like whatsapp we're going to start using things like slack and those things aren't foipable plus we can delete stuff So a search that only included government emails is at best cursory. It's unsurprising that after that whole two-day search, it was determined, air quotes, that uh, there was no evidence of emails between Smith's office and the Crown Prosecutor's office, almost as if, given this culture of secrecy and the fact that while we've seen some stunningly dumb things come out of the Premier's office, they're not so dumb as to try to send those emails back and forth. One would think. That brings us largely to today. And today, many Albertans who spend time on social media were not surprised to find a statement from Danielle Smith. Now, very clearly, CBC had contacted Danielle Smith's office and said, hey, do you have any comment for this story that we're going to drop later today? The statement reads, later today, in an effort to continue their campaign of defamatory attacks against me, again, to no there's been no public reports of any legal uh action in regards to defamation these defamatory attacks against me my office staff the crown prosecutors of the Alberta Public Service the CBT intends to release an article about a conversation I had with an individual named Artur Pulaski and that is the pastor who had the speech at the Koots blockade just for context Moving on in the statement. During a live press conference on February 9th, 2022, I referenced this... um... Okay, let's just go back for a sec because she got the date wrong. I just realized that as I'm reading this out loud. It was actually the press conference was February 9th, 2023. I referenced this very conversation with Mr. Pulaski, expressed his frustration to me with pandemic-related public health orders. Now, it's worth noting that when she referenced that, it was only because, guess who? CBC asked not once, but several times, to confirm that she had a conversation with Arthur Pulowski. Um, Mr. Pulowski expressed his frustration with pandemic-related public health orders. This should come as no shock, since I spent a lot of time before and during my leadership campaign talking to hundreds of Albertans about COVID-related public health orders and violations. As I have previously stated, I had my staff work with the Ministry of Justice to determine if anything could be done to grant amnesty for those charged with non-violent, non-firearms, COVID-related charges." As also indicated previously in multiple interviews, I received a legal brief from the Ministry of Justice recommending against pursuing amnesty further as several matters involving this issue were and still are before the courts. I have followed that advice. At no time have I spoken with anyone from the Crown Prosecution Service, nor to my knowledge have any of my office's staff. Allegations to the contrary are defamatory and will be dealt with accordingly. Very similar to the previous statement that uh, she made when CBC ruled the first story. Now, there's a couple of things to, to highlight here. Danielle Smith, as we played earlier for you, said a couple months ago. It's not in a premier's power to provide clemency or amnesty or anything like that. So it's fascinating that she would include in this statement. That she released, received a legal brief from the Ministry of Justice recommending against pursuing amnesty further, as several matters involving this issue were and still are before the courts. So, again, we have these contra- contradictory statements from Daniel Smith that create a lot of confusion. Now, we get to almost all the way the crux of today. we got one other thing that we got to highlight really quick. There is a video. And this video only really came to public attention today. As noted... By uh, longtime uh, political pundit, talk show host Ryan Jesperson. This video has actually been posted on Arthur Prolowski's YouTube channel for two months. The Premier's taken pol- big political risks by going to bat for the Polowski Coots anti vax fringe. This is a very greasy play for him and a huge blow to her. What that greasy play that Mr. Jesperson is referring to is the fact that the conversation that you're about to hear in full, except for a little bit at the beginning, a little bit at the end where they're setting up the call and then Daniel Smith hangs up and they still talk to her like she's still there. But the entirety of the conversation that Archer Pulaski had with Daniel Smith, with Dennis Modry of the Alberta prosperity project, apparently facilitating it. We're going to play it for you. It's 10 minutes long. And I know that that's a lot to ask people to listen to or sit through. At some points in the video, if you're watching the video version, there's a lovely dog that appears. He looks like a very good boy. So if if you're starting to get a little bit frustrated with the contents of the video, look for the dog. It could be like a fun little game of War's Waldo. But it's really important for everybody to hear the full context of this video. Now this video was recorded early January. It's not a new video, it's not a new recording. It's just one that's come to light very recently. Now, before I play the video, there's one other thing that I want to say and make very clear. This is a critically, as we're going to detail in a fairly painful way before we open up the floor to everybody who wants to speak to speak tonight. This is a video that is critically important. And it's critically important because it furthers the reality that Daniel Smith will say just about anything to just about anyone as long as it serves her purpose. There's some very real questions to be asked about how Daniel Smith even found herself as premier of the province entertaining the possibility of making of taking this phone call. Because this is the same preacher, preacher, who organized multiple protests multiple marches for freedom in defiance of public health orders putting people at risk this is the same preacher who organized a tiki torch rally in two cities and there's some people who say well you know a tiki torch is just a tiki torch it's no big deal and you might be able to make that argument if they hadn't included a picture of charlottesville on their poster anybody who's been paying attention to Artopolowski's uh, advocacy, as Daniel Smith calls it, as you'll hear in just a minute, has to be aware of the fact that he holds some extraordinarily hateful views. He has behaved in ways that do not conform at all to how society functions. There are some people I'm not saying me, but there are some people who have referred to him as being, in effect, a terrorist. Why the premier of Alberta would deign to take a call from this guy? That's the very first question that we all need to start with. But it is a critically important video for everyone to hear. So strap in. It's 10 minutes.
4: Uh, introduce this uh, concept because um i think um y- you know the ucp is not um arthur's enemy it's the ndp um but he does have a problem that he thinks you may be able to help out with so arthur take it away Artur, nice to talk
5: with you i'm not sure if we have ever had a chance to talk before but i've been your
2: public advocacy for many years. So it's nice to connect with you. Uh, well, we had an opportunity to talk to each other uh, during the wild rose um, forming of the party many years ago. But if it comes to the latest ordeals, no, this is the first time. So I thank you so much for taking this time and and listening to what is happening. As you are aware, I am still on house arrest facing 10, and a half years of imprisonment for my speech in Kutz And of course, that's very concerning to me, uh, because I uh, came to a conclusion that I don't think I have an option except to start swinging your way uh, because of the promises that were never fulfilled.
5: happen with Jody Wilson-Raybould and the Prime Minister because what we discovered in how our justice system works is I don't really have the power of clemency the way a U.S. president or a governor in the United States has. It's not quite the way our system works. We, once the process is underway, I can ask our prosecutors is there a reasonable likelihood of conviction and is it in the public interest? And I assure you I have asked them that almost weekly ever since i got started here there have been a number of cases that have been abandoned at the last minute as they've gone through that assessment and i'm very hopeful that that will be the case for more cases but there isn't really a mechanism for me to order them to drop cases it's complicated that
2: way it's just the way our legal system works i'm afraid. So here is the update on my case. I was hoping that the Crown Prosecutor is going to do the right thing. However, he did, his name is Johnston, Stephen Johnston. He's from the special force of prosecutors in the province of Alberta. He dumped on our labs over a thousand pages documents and hundreds of hours of um, testimonies to frustrate our defense. So the trial is in three weeks. I'm facing, like I said, uh, a number of years, if they would have their way. And instead of um, sitting down and resolving the problem, we had to hire an entire legal team, which will cost over $150,000 extra to come through this massive additional disclosure that we never had before. So obviously, the the Minister of Justice, Tyler Chandra, is playing a game here, trying to cause us more harm and more grief. And Johnston is just following uh, his directives. Um, so I'm a little let bit confused. Me, let, me, let
5: me check on that because I, I, I don't think it would be from the Minister. I think the issue is that once the ball is rolling, these Crown prosecutors, seem to be very independent and we could only ask the two questions as i mentioned of you so i I don't very much that this is being driven by the minister but i have also raised it with the deputy minister and let him know my dissatisfaction with the tactics so um can you just leave this with me and i will make that request one more time um, brought my my principal policy advisor Rob Anderson has been doing most of my work with justice and pushing this along has uh, he's not back from vacation until Monday so we'll see if we can revisit that this week we did just have a case and Ezra told me about it that there was a case where they did something along the same lines huge document dump and then they just abandoned the case they didn't prosecute it the next day so I'm watching to see evidence that they're going to come to this judgment that many of these cases are unwinnable and not in the public interest. And I'm beginning to see some signs that the case. I haven't seen anything in your case yet, but if I can just maybe make that inquiry one more time, but I, I'll need I'll need until next week to be able to do that.
2: Okay. I'll be um, right. looking forward to to what you have, uh, what you are able to find out.
5: Yes, I'm very sympathetic. I think this is is very frustrating to me that we here we find ourselves. Everybody in, has moved on from from COVID, and we're dealing with a bunch of charges. the thing I find very frustrating is that they were a the political decision that initiated this but it can't be a political decision to end it. That's what I'm finding very frustrating
2: about the whole thing. Have you ever considered of going public, uh, like you promised at the very beginning that you're going to meet with us pastors and there's going to be um, dropping of the charges and recompensation. Have you uh, considered meeting with us publicly and saying, hey, let's move forward and enough Mm -hmm. of this uh, witch hunt?
5: Let me let me talk to um, let me talk to Rob about that. The, the problem is that that's how the prime minister got himself in such hot water, is because he was in a position where he was he asked the same questions that I did, and then his attorney general said actually it is in the public interest and so we are going to prosecute. And then he kept trying to push her to make a different decision, and then he ultimately fired her, and it just blew up as a big political issue because it's just not. We just have these conventions in our system so i'm i am trying to stay within the lines of asking them the appropriate questions and the further we get away from from uh the original decisions the harder it is in my opinion to make the case that this is in the public interest or that there's a reasonable likelihood of, con- of uh, conviction so um, let me check with let me talk with Rob. I, I do rely on him since he's a lawyer. I do rely on him to give me some sound legal advice to keep me out of the ditch. So I don't want to commit to anything until I know what is actually possible. It's unfortunate that I uh, I didn't understand the limitations. I thought we probably had the same power of clemency that they did in the U.S. I didn't understand we have a lot more limitations. I'm, I'm not a lawyer by training. And that's, uh, I can tell you, it's been very frustrating for me over these last few months because you're not the only one. There are many others, doctors as well, that I'm, I'm fighting this internal battle on
2: too. But um, so, I was contacted by a lawyer, um, Leighton Gray, if yeah. I remember correctly. And he told me that he advised you that there is already a victory in the court uh, with NDPers when they brought the masking. And uh, based on that victory, you can stop the prosecution immediately based on the judge's decision. And he said in that circumstances, you would walk out as a hero without taking a political hit because you would rely on the judge's decision that has already been made. So let me, um, let me guess.
5: Rob, to, sorry, we just had sort of these competing days off. So he, I was away, that he's away, and he's, and I'm back, he's not back yet. Um, I, I did see that I had received a note from Layton in December. So let me see what I can do to run that by somebody who has kind of some legal training. And I'll see, cause I, I can't quite figure out how I would use that, but maybe it's a little bit, it'll be a bit more clear if I run that through with, um, with ross so just just give me a few more days to, to circle back on this and and maybe dr modry can can connect us again next week okay so um,
4: I, I, I just point out one thing as well i did see that communicate from Layton as well and um it did seem as though that there was precedent um that you might be able to rely on my only suggestion would be um, it might not be a bad idea Premier to connect Rob and Layton together, um, okay. and uh, I think I think that would be that would be quite helpful. I think in in this because uh, you know, like um, uh, like Arthur has just said, and you have uh, or you you said there are many others that are caught up in this, and I think there's a number of physicians that would love amnesty as well.
5: Fantastic. Let me yeah. let me circle back on that. As I said, Rob, I think is back on Monday. So, sure. uh And we, we just had a, a very busy fall session, so let me see what I can do because I, I had hoped that some of these would have been vacated by now, and I'm sorry to hear what they're putting you through. So, uh, so Dr. Vodrey knows how to how to reach me, so we'll we'll do this uh, we'll do
2: this again when I've had a little bit more chance to talk it through with Rob. Okay. Thank you for hey, your uh, time. Awesome.
5: Thank you, Dr. Vodrey.
0: Are... Now. We gotta before we get into some of the points, uh, some of the questions. Not sure what we'll call it. Let's, let's call them questions for for safety's sake. Before we get into those things, a couple of things that we just need to explain. The the voices that you heard there were obviously Daniel Smith. That's fairly clear. Uh, you also heard Archer Pulowski. You also heard the 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 more older sounding voice, the the slightly raspy one. That is Dennis Modry. Dennis Modry was. Allegedly, at the time of the video being recorded, he was the president of the Alberta Prosperity Project, which was... One of the organizers of the debate that was co-hosted with Rebel Media that many UCP candidates in the leadership race opted not to attend because not only is the Alberta Prosperity Project got some pretty let's go with problematic views, but they also appear to be trying to form their own political party in order to separate. So it was very strange that there were some leadership candidates who decided to attend that debate Um because it was, in essence, a fundraiser for another political party. Apparently, Daniel Smith has kept in touch with Dr. Moji because he knows how to get a hold of her. The other name that you heard referenced, was, well, the two other ones, one of them was Rob Anderson. We're going to talk about him in a sec. The other one was Leighton Gray. We talked about Leighton on the show many times before because he's a lawyer who had to step down from the body that chooses judges because it came to light that he had posted some some people say pretty racist things on the the social medias. Now, Lighton Grayson's tied himself very closely, again, to the Alberta Prosperity Project. So again, we have this Alberta Prosperity Project that seems to have impressive access and influence on the Premier of Alberta, which raises a lot of its own questions. But let's get into the contents of the video. We're just going to run through some of the questions. At 25 seconds, Daniel Smith makes it very, very clear that she's familiar with Archer's work and his advocacy. Um, So there's no question that Daniel Smith, by her own words, didn't seem to have any confusion over who it was that she was talking to. Now, as we've talked about, Archer was the guy who organized the Tiki Torch rallies. He's the guy who spoke at the Coots blockade, telling people to stay. Pretty clear. Daniel Smith not only knew who she was talking to, but based on the conversation, that she also knew that there were charges pending. There was a trial coming. At a minute and 38 seconds, Daniel Smith makes it very clear that as much as she said in some of the clips that we played earlier, everybody knows the premiers don't have clemency. She openly comes up and says, you know what? I thought the premiers had the power of clemency. So Daniel Smith lied, misrepresented. I'm not sure what the word would be her whole belief system on clemency or not. But again, she was allowed to, apparently, campaign with no shortage of advisors, one of whom is a practicing lawyer whom she trusts, and nobody said, yeah, that's not actually a thing. Bearing in mind again that both Daniel Smith and said lawyer served in the legislature as MLAs. Rob Anderson served with government. So one would think there's a pretty good chance that these these folks did or at the very least should be aware of what powers were available. But here's where we start to really get into the things, because in a minute and 51 seconds, roughly, Daniel Smith says she's asking prosecutors almost weekly. So this isn't as she's portrayed it historically, oh, this one off time that I talked to them. This is she's speaking to prosecutors almost weekly to ask them those two questions that she's allowed to ask them. At roughly four minutes and 20 seconds, another little important piece comes up because she says she's also raised it with the deputy minister. Now, what that seems to imply right out of the gates is that she knows the difference between the deputy minister, the minister, and the crown prosecutors. It seems to imply that she knows that those are entirely different positions. Which calls into question the whole, how imprecisely speaking were you exactly, Danny? It's also worth noting that Daniel Smith has said in multiple places the only person that she's supposed to talk to is the Minister of Justice. And yet here she is talking with the Deputy Minister. Shortly after that, she's very clear. Rob Anderson has been doing most of her work with justice and pushing this along. This is not an arm's length thing. She seems to be making it very clear there's an agenda that she has in regards to the COVID prosecutions, to the Coutts prosecutions. And Rob Anderson, her lawyer, not her lawyer, her uh, executive director of her office, her bestie, who's the lawyer, whose legal opinion she relies on, he's the one who's pushing this along. Five minutes and 10 seconds. She says that she will make her an inquiry. And she says she's very sympathetic. Shortly after, she says it's a political decision that initiated this, which again, misrepresents what the health measures actually were. It's worth noting. There have been court rulings that make it clear. The decisions that were made during the pandemic weren't the most restrictive ones that the government wanted to do. They weren't the most restrictive ones that the Minister of Health wanted to bring to bear. They were the ones that the government found politically expedient. They were the ones that Jason Kenney and his cabinet found politically expedient, the ones that would cause the least political cost for them. That's what those decisions were. And the decisions were ultimately implemented By the chief minister, chief medical officer for the province of Alberta, Dr. Dina Henshaw. That's where the authority came from. That's where the power came from. That's who signed those orders. The political influence on health restrictions didn't exacerbate them. It minimized them. That's critically important to understand. But nonetheless, here's Daniel Smith pushing that same narrative that the decisions that were made to protect the healthcare system and to protect Albertans' lives were done for political reasons. Only. There was no evidence. Six minutes and 21 seconds. Daniel Smith reiterates, let me talk to Rob about that. It's very, very clear that Daniel Smith doesn't, it seems very clear at least, that Daniel Smith doesn't seem comfortable speaking on these issues without going by Rob first. It's worth remembering. Daniel Smith is the Premier of Alberta. But it seems like everything that she needs to do, she's doing because she talked to Rob. Rob wrote the Free Alberta Strategy. Rob wrote the initial intent of the Alberta Sovereignty Act. Rob was her campaign chair. Rob seems to be the person who's providing her all of this legal advice. And to quote Daniel Smith, he's the one who's been doing most of the work with justice and pushing this along. At seven minutes, Daniel Smith says, the further we get, the harder it is to make the case that this is in the public interest. Again, ignoring the fact that rule of law is a foundational part of what makes our society go. Seven minutes and ten seconds. Again, let me talk with Rob. I do rely on him to give me sound legal advice. Rob's the guy who did the Alberta Sovereignty Act. You know that Alberta Sovereignty Act that had to be madly revised because it was panned as being unconstitutional. Presumably, Rob is the same person who never told her throughout her campaign that clemency wasn't something that she would be able to do as premier. And again, at 726, she says, I thought we had the same power of clemency that they do in the United States. She's crystal clear. Daniel Smith believed she had that power the public lines that she's given since then about oh everybody knows that's just you know some folks <laughs> it's just that uh, it's the because of the american influence that people think that everybody knows you can't actually do that everybody except by her own words apparently daniel smith but here's the thing that's really interesting about this whole thing. Before we move on to our one last piece, and then we t- we're we going to open up the floor for anybody on the Twitter spaces who wants to, to weigh in with some comments. I've already gotten some DMs from some folks who've said, holy heck, I got some things to say. Really looking forward to hearing it. But here's the big thing with this conversation. Daniel Smith didn't say, I'm done. Daniel Smith didn't say, there's nothing I can do. Daniel Smith didn't say, I shouldn't even be having this conversation with you because I'm the premier of the province and you're somebody who is facing a trial for trying to subvert the rules that make our society work. Daniel Smith didn't say, there's not going to be any more conversations about this, Arthur. She didn't say any of that. What did she say? She said she'd follow up. She said, let's have another conversation. She said she was going to check in with Rob and see what he said. Which begs the question, what did that second conversation look like? One of the things that we've been saying on the show since this whole story started to break is the fact that, again, going back to these journalists, these are some of the best journalists in the business. This story isn't over. We've been saying that since day one. There's no reason to believe that this story is over now. One other thing that I want to highlight real quick before uh, we move on to the other video that we have to talk about is, as Mr. Jesperson noted, this video has been on Arthur's account for two months. This video that demonstrates that Daniel Smith has lied about some things she has misrepresented some things what those things are and to whom that's probably up to some debate but she said everybody knows can't have clemency in the recording I thought we could have clemency we said it before on the show we'll say it again Daniel Smith lies all the time that's just reality if it wasn't for these journalists doing their job in the way that they're doing it, this important piece of the conversation that we need to be having as a province, as a society, especially as we're heading into the next election, may never have seen the light of day in the way that it's supposed to. This is why journalists who do the job with integrity and professionalism who do so with editors, should be celebrated, not vilified. And anybody who pretends to be a journalist and doesn't hold themselves to the standards that exist for journalism in this country should be called out. This is why we have said since day one, we are not journalists here. We need to start respecting the practice of journalism again because they are one of the only things that can help us protect ourselves from this sort of abuse of power abuse of office the story isn't over but we do have one more story that we want to talk about before we move into the the open floor conversation let's say and that story has to do with the candidate for Lethbridge west now this is a whole other thing oh no i lied sorry before we go to her we got one other thing to talk about i promised we were going to talk about rob we're going to talk about rob so for the added contest who is rob anderson he's the executive director of alberta premier daniel smith's office as daniel smith made it clear he's pretty much her right-hand guy in the office. Rob had a bit of a day today. First of all, we learned that Rob doesn't know how to do a Twitter thread because he posted, as did Danielle Smith before the story really started to blow up, a series of tweets, but he didn't do it as a threat. He did number them. So we know that at the very least, Rob can count to four. But what Rob said was, I just watched an NDP press conference where the justice critic made several false and defamatory statements against me personally. My role on the file in question was to ask for a legal opinion from the Ministry of Justice on what options were available to grant amnesty for those facing non-violent, non-firearms related COVID charges. I have obtained that legal opinion from the Ministry of Justice and provided it to the Premier as requested. At no time have I contacted the Crown Prosecutor Service regarding this or any other related matter. And to my knowledge, I do not recall speaking with anyone charged with ongoing COVID related offenses. The NDPs or any other party's uh, director insinuated allegations to the contrary are and may be treated accordingly in the near future. And will be treated accordingly in the near future. Sorry. So Rob makes it very clear. He had nothing to do with it, which again, I just find myself flipping back to, to this here. Uh, the quote from Daniel Smith at 4 minutes and 29 seconds, Rob Anderson has been doing most of my work with justice and pushing this along. I don't know how you reconcile those things. I wonder if Rob's going to sue Danielle for, for defamation. It's just a question that I have. But Rob also continued to go on, and in true fashion, decided to to re-up a Pierre Polyev tweet. Pierre Polyev tweeted, The CBC has become a political campaign machine for Trudeau. Instead of holding them to account, they're actively covering up for the Liberals. Rob Anderson weighs in, and Rachel Notley, the plan. So now there's a plan. The plan is to take down... Pierre Polyev, and out A.B. Daniel Smith, whatever the cost. Now there's a big conspiratorial plan that Rob Anderson wants everybody to know about. Carrie Tate tweeted at Alberta Premier Daniel Smith in a phone call with the street preacher just before his trial. Let, tied to the Coots border blockade says she speaks with prosecutors almost weekly about such cases. Hats to the CBC for having it first. Rob Anderson, you know full well, Carrie Tate, that she was referring to her discussions and follow-up with the minister and his deputy. Are you calling Alberta's Crown prosecutors liars? They say the Premier nor her staff contacted them. Are they involved in this vast conspiracy? It's fascinating how Rob can have a conspiracy at, uh, let's just double-check what the time is here, 13.06 today, so that's one oh six p.m., and then at uh, 2.20, he's like, ah, you crazy conspiracy nuts. Why are you talking about crazy conspiracies? I'm going to go out on oh, limb here. It's going to float a a theory. I don't think anybody's calling the Crown Prosecutors liars. I think that the Crown Prosecutors Office, to all of their official knowledge, don't believe that they've spoken to Daniel Smith. I think Daniel Smith might be lying again. Now let's get to our last video before we open up the floor. We got to talk about this... uh, this, this, this lady here, she's uh, a little problematic. Tori Tanner, uh, who, as, as we've been learning, th- as the show's been going, I've been getting a couple of notes, uh, Tori Tanner was actually involved in a couple of the court cases involving, unshockingly, the, the COVID situation. So, you know, you've got that. But uh, Tori, Tori Tanner ran in the UCP nomination race for Lethbridge West, And she's got some... She's got something that she'd like everybody to hear, apparently.
6: Parents are in a unique position to protect the innocence of our children. Yet alarmingly, we are seeing increasing instances where kids, even those attending kindergarten, are being exposed to pornographic materials, or worse yet, having teachers help them change their gender identity with absolutely no parental consent or knowledge whatsoever. This needs to be stopped immediately. We need to get involved on school boards, on parent councils, so that we can keep those precious little ones safe from this kind of outrageously inappropriate behavior. As an educator and mother myself, this concerns me greatly because when it comes down to protecting youth, silence just isn't an option anymore. So I'm asking that you stand with me to take action on protecting our children.
0: Oh, Tori. Now, some of you might be saying could be an old video. Who knows when it was posted? I don't know. Maybe the YouTube page that we got that video from where it says it was posted on uh, March 8th of 2023. Just spitballing here, but just because that's the date that shows when it was posted, that might be when it was posted. It was a fairly uh not viewed video up until this afternoon. After it was sent to us, it uh it got a few views. It's since been deleted. But who is this? This Tory Tanner, this this educator, this dark universe apparently version of Maud Flanders. Uh well, if we go to her nomination website, we can get a little bit of, a little bit of information. So she, she's owned and ran a couple of companies, and she has an education. She spoke about being an educator. She's got a bachelor of theater. She's got a bachelor of education from the University of Saskatchewan. We don't have a date on that. She got a bachelor of law from the University of Saskatchewan. Now, we might get a little bit of an idea of why Tori calls herself an educator, as we go to the, uh, the testimonials side of her webpage. Tori's daughter, Julia, apparently. This is from Tori's website, so I can only assume that it's true. As Tori Tanner's favorite daughter, I can confidently say that she's an amazing mother and will do great things for the community of Lethbridge, Alberta. She's always been an amazing role model for me. balancing her responsibilities as a parent. Oh, what's this? Oh, homeschooling. And her dedication to serving others. She's a hard worker who is always willing to go the extra mile to ensure that her family and community are taken care of. There's not any evidence that we could find that Tory has worked as a teacher anywhere. So do with that what you will. What we did see was a fairly strong condemnation. Now, again, it's worth remembering, Tory is a UCP candidate. She's not a nomination candidate anymore. She is the person who's running to be the MLA in Lethbridge West. And there's a lot of people who have expressed a lot of concern over it. You can see the comments on uh, any of our social media, as well as pretty much any social media right now, because there's a lot of people who are very upset about what Tory said. And let's be clear, what she said, if there's anything that needs to stop, it's candidates spewing unmitigated bullshit because nothing that she said was true. That is fear-mongering. It is invented. It doesn't happen. Not in the curriculum. Kindergartens aren't being exposed to pornography. Nobody's getting gender reassignment at public school or wait a sec. She said schools. So maybe, maybe it's the Catholic school system that's doing gender reassignment. I feel like it's not. In fact, I know that it's not. And it's irresponsible for somebody who claims to be an educator, at the very least presenting herself to some people as as a teacher, to be spewing this sort of garbage. And it was really great to see that it was called out. Jason Schilling, who's the president of the Alberta Teachers Association, didn't really mince any words. He's very clear. Today we saw a video of the Lethbridge West UCP candidate in the upcoming election using misinformation and fear to gain political advantage. I happen to live and vote in this writing. Instead of focusing on reality-based educational issues such as funding, curriculum, mental health, and complex needs of our students, we get this. Untrue statements that I do not believe for one second. Integrity matters and these types of comments are why so many teachers mistrust our current government when it comes to education. I have represented the teachers in Lethbridge West for years. I trust to respect their professionalism and dedication to their students and public education. I hope my colleagues and fellow citizens in Lethbridge West take Miss Tanner to task on her comments. Now, after a couple hours, Tori did uh, take the link down. I noticed the link of the video question has been taken down. Demand is already done. Alberta Daniel Smith, will you be issuing an apology on behalf of your candidate and party as she's an official candidate of the Alberta UCP? Nothing that Tori said in her video is true. But you know what we can do? We can go to her testimonials page. We can go back there and we can see some things that are particularly relevant. Let's read another of the testimonials. Tori, give it 100%. 110% is impossible. Only idiots recommend that. There's only one thing I hate more than lying. Skim milk, which is water that's lying about being milk. I'd wish you the best of luck, but I believe luck is a concept created by the weak to explain their failures. That testimonial was left by by Ron Swanson, who doesn't like lying. Wait a second. That name sounds familiar. It took all of 15 seconds to find the clip that we're about to play for you. It's probably going to get flagged for copyright, but there's no way that we're not including it. Tori. You lied in your video. Ron would like a word.
7: Fortunately, every single word out of their mouths was a lie. There's only one thing I hate more than lying. Skim milk, which is water that's lying about being milk.
0: Ron Swanson is a character from the show Parks and Rec. So not only did Tori appear to take some creative liberties, let's go, with uh, with her... Um, Testimonials Maybe it was a joke Who knows But one would think For somebody who Takes Ron Swanson So deeply to heart That maybe she would uh Maybe she'd Listen to some of his words Because She should And they're gross Now We got the Twitter spaces going We're gonna see if they're working We got a couple people Who want to speak I'm gonna throw it up to Uh the politics of disability and equity. First, it's going to take a quick second to get you up and running. Fingers crossed, I've got everything set up in the way that I need to have it set up so that it goes through so that everybody can hear it on the live stream. If not, uh, sorry. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, politics! <laughs> What's going on tonight?
8: Oh, just... I've been just watching the news cycle like crazy. And... Um... You know, I, I I I'm almost lost for words, Nate. <laughs> I'm almost lost for words. Um, first of all, I, I was listening to QR uh, radio talk this afternoon, and of course, they were covering this, and I found it actually quite interesting because I was listening to this call, call one caller that called in, and he didn't seem to understand why this mattered that. Why this whole story mattered to do with Danielle Smith and the the video, and he had to be explained to, and I was trying to answer because one of the things he tried to say was that Dwayne Brett was was biased against Danielle Smith, or that he was just biased, and I and I was thinking about that. I've had my own issues. I think I think Dwayne is. Incredibly smart, and I think he is fair. I don't always agree with him. But if you ever watched him over the years, if any if he had any bias, it was often more with the PCs and early on with the UCP until things got a little crazy. And so the fact that Dwayne Bratt is now speaking out against this, I think says something about his integrity because he saw the line in the sand and went, uh-uh-uh, we're not going there. Sorry, I'm, uh, I was just outside and now I'm huffing and puffing. <laughs> um, and so, so yeah, I, I just found that interesting because you know he's a very credible human and to suggest that he's biased against conservatives is ridiculous. And yeah, that's one thought. No, I think you you're absolutely this.
0: right. I mean, uh, Dr. Brat is has been a political commentator in the province of Alberta for quite some time, and while he, you know, there's there's definitely a a, a bit of a progressive bent to his personal politics. His job as a political scientist and as a commentator Is to be as objective as possible And he's built himself a career on doing that in regards to his commentary And I think that you're, you're bang on The fact that that he has chosen to speak up in the way that he has Is not reflective of his politics It's reflective of how badly things are going right now
8: uh, No, dead on, Nate I, I, I 100% agree um, it, it, it's crazy. And, and I really hope that there's not too many of the people like that one caller that are thinking that way. I'm really praying really hard. Um, but the other thing is, is like this whole, you know, I, I wanted to comment on Archer Howalski. Now I've been trying to gather some videos because during the COVID thing, there's a lot of protests going on and a lot of people live stream some things onto Facebook And then they took them all down. And I've been hunting. So far, I've only been able to gather one video. And the video, the person was like, look, if you use this, you need to make sure you remove anything that connects me or my group because the reason we took it down was because we were being harassed. And but there was one video and it was somebody that lived on the same block as the church that he got evicted from for not paying rent. Um, and he had all the gather and they were live streaming and they had all these people like that for well over a block. It was just crowded and it was a street full of like swastikas and Confederate flags and these types of people that he was live streaming. And I really wish I could find him and get that video, but he probably took it down for a very good reason. And because He was feeling threatened. And, you know, this is what I think of And when you, you know, I hate to harp on this, but back to the tiki torches. I think I I wrote in the comments, tiki torches, the reason the alt-right or white nationalists, the reason they carry tiki torches to their events is because it's a direct symbolism reflecting uh, the Munich Putsch, where they carried tiki torches through the streets of Munich to overthrow the parliament there. And that's what that is. And that's why they use them all the time is because they're, it's a symbolism that comes directly from that. And Archer is very much in line with that kind of thinking. And, yeah, and I think it's very sad that we have Premier. You know, I don't care. I don't have to agree with your politics. But... I think you're crossing a line when you're relying on the support of people like that. I think that's uh that's just a little too far for me.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I think this I and with the symbolism piece like uh, it's, it's very clear what it's a callback to Because, and for anybody who's unfamiliar the, the, the Charlottesville riots occurred When a bunch of Proud Boys and white nationalists Decided to march through the streets And ultimately there was a protester Against those people who uh, was killed And there were a bunch of people who were injured When somebody decided to drive a vehicle Into a, uh, a crowd of people Most people were guard, and, in, and certainly in the, the, the popular consciousness Charlottesville is viewed as a very racist rally That happened in the United States And for Archer to include the Or for that organization or the group Who, who organized the two Tiki Torch marches That Archer led For them to include pictures of The, the white supremacists marching in Charlottesville Yep. You don't have to go all the way back to the 1930s and the 1920s to go, hey, there's some there's some racist stuff that's being invoked here. And the fact that they were willing to do that whether it was a a, a troll or whatever. Right. It's, it's gross and it's unacceptable. So there's there's no question that that at the very least there's a high degree of comfort in
8: invoking racist stuff. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And you know In reflection to, um, you know, the Lethbridge candidate, (laughs) when I saw that, there's a few things that came to mind. I mean, legal ramifications, if that was actually happening, like, first of all, parents would know because, you know, little kids, they come home and they tell everything. And the you know the idea that a school could facilitate gender reassignment surgery, it's, it's, I mean, like there is nothing legally in any way where any kind of educator or school could, or even could hormone. Do that. and, I, like and I'm laughing that. because it's so re- it's it's scary, but it's so ridiculous.
0: Yeah, I I, I totally agree. It's, and that's one of the things that I think, I mean, the, the the positive that I take out of the, the video, um, and, and again, um, I just want to say thank you to the person who, I mean, I can't say their name, obviously, but I want to say thank you to the person who threw it up on our radar. Um, because it's, it's obviously something that needs to be talked about, but, um, the, the condemnation that has come out of that from everyone, but apparently Danielle Smith has been pretty universal and I think that that's critically important to highlight, because as much as there are these, these voices that say these hateful, untrue things in order to try to fire up fear and get support and make people stupid, uh, the reality is the vast majority of Albertans reject it. Um, and that gives me hope.
8: <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's, that's, my, that's my hope, too. Nate, is I think it's just getting I mean, we're, we're going into Q on territory here like,
0: oh, we're, yeah, like,
8: like, I, it's just sad that it has to be Why does Alberta have to be the place that it seems to be at the <laughs> forefront of attracting these crazy US style madness. There's
0: a whole fascinating history. That uh, that that goes into that. Um, there's a there's a really good book called Slumming It at the Rodeo," that uh, I would I would highly recommend. If it was written in the I think it was the '90s, uh, the early 2000s, but it's it's definitely good. Thank you so much. Is there anything else that you want to quickly say? Because I got a lineup of people nope. here, and I want to make sure I that get to is
8: everything. Today. And you know, I, I hope Sarah's coming on. I can't wait to hear what she has to say.
0: I don't think she's going to make it tonight because she's out in uh, BC doing ocean stuff so i don't think she i don't believe she's making it tonight Uh, if we get a text we get a text we'll see what we see Um, okay but yeah thank you so much for weighing in there all right we got uh john who i'm gonna add in now and uh i'm hoping that maybe maybe john's gonna do a little bit more than than plug his new 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 cooking show appearance john what's going on tonight Maybe we don't have, John. This is the fun part of Twitter Spaces. The long pauses between where somebody is added as a speaker and when they run to the phone. We're going to come back. To... Okay. Um, oh, there sorry. we go. I, we got gotcha. you. I
9: just didn't even realize that my, my mic was off as well, too. So, sorry about that. Oh, good. What's going on tonight, man? Not much. I was actually just um, just uh, hanging out at the uh, at the Unicorn here in Calgary right now. So, just having some wings. So, uh, just, uh, just tuning in. Uh, just saying... Uh, just seeing what was going on, so um I don't know. So just, uh, but yeah, just having a night. And no, I'm not going to plug. I, I I promise. I'll I'll try not to plug, of course. uh Being on, uh, but anyway, but anyway, yeah. So um, I mean, uh, I mean, I woke up this morning. Honestly, I was. I mean, I'm I'm like two days away from my birthday, and I'll seriously. It's my birth. It's my birthday on March 31st, and seriously, I gotta say, seriously, I mean, having this drop two days for my birthday is just like, are you f- kidding me right now? Like, pardon my French as well, too. It's like, are you effing kidding me right now, right? It's just like, I mean, there is, there's just nothing. Like, I, I don't understand. Uh, and again, I'm an old conservative and I totally, I, 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 I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I seem like I'm just like, just I'm just flabbergasted right now as well, too. So, I mean, I'm just completely flabbergasted as to like, what is... What is conserv- What are conservatives thinking these days? I mean, do they think that rules do not apply to them? I mean, can can someone tell me, do rules no longer apply to conservatives? Do they think that rules do not apply to them anymore? I mean, well, uh, you know, I gotta give you the answer that I know Sarah would give if she was here. Yep.
0: And that answer would be, these people aren't conservatives. Uh, And I think that when you, you juxtapose the positions that we're hearing from the, the, the candidate from Lethbridge and what we're hearing from the, from the Daniel Smiths and the, the, the folks in her orbit, I'll say cautiously, um, these are, these are not people that you can, you know, line up beside Lougheed and go, oh yeah, that's the same thing. I mean, even the, the, the comparisons that one could theoretically make to Klein aren't any of the good ones. So I don't I I I don't think that these people are conservatives quite frankly I mean my I've I've said it before on the show I'll say it again my grandfather was a a huge conservative uh big time conservative organizer uh heavily involved Mm -hmm. in the formation of a couple of conservative parties here in Alberta and I have zero doubts that he would look at this and go what the hell is
9: this what the hell is this exactly right so it's just like that's that's exactly the thing so that's a and I and the thing is, I get where conservative and serious, I, I, I do get where a uh, progressive. Sorry, it's the this is the other side of the coin. I mean, yes, they say, yeah, I mean, this is I mean, they they, they kind of throw their hands up and say. And again, I mean, this is going out to all the progressives who are listening. It's just like they're throwing up their hands and saying, this is Alberta. I'm so tired of it. But you know what, at the end of the day, I mean, I think, I I don't know who it was that was said that, uh, I don't know who it was said it was, but it's just like, and seriously, it might be the beer talking right now, honestly, it's just like, you know what, at the end of the day, I mean, we as Albertans, uh, conservatism is, quote-unquote in her blood, but at the end of the day, we are, quote-unquote, we we believe in liberal ideas. We have called, I mean, remember that, I mean, you, you mentioned it before, that Lethbridge West kind, candidate, of course, she's going to get absolutely ha- steamrolled by Shannon Phillips, of course, because that is a Shannon Phillips seat, by the way, so again, so I'm not really concerned about her, but I mean, I mean, the fact that people are saying, hey, that, that's, not, that's not bleeping on, that's not bloody on right now, as, as, as they say in Australia. I mean, it's like, that's not bloody on. And again, I mean, uh, Nate, I mean, you and I, I mean, uh, that gives me hope. But at the end of the day, I mean, I think, and and again, I don't want to say this to, I, I don't want to be say, the, uh, say this to the progressives who are, might be listening as so, well, too. It's just like, it's, you know, we got to appeal to these people. We got to appeal to these people. If we want to beat the UCP, we got to appeal to these people. We can't continuously say, this is Alberta, and throw our hands up and say, I'm done, I'm just going to go have a cup of tea. No, stop. Doing that. Like start bleeping doing that. It's just like go into the doors, knock the doors, and you know what? Just find the candidate that's gonna win the win your location and just do it, right? And then just just go help them. And 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 and, and I'm sorry, and I don't want to be be, be be that guy, but it's just like I am just tired of the hand ringing. That's all the thing. It's like stop hand wringing. Go to the doors, get off Twitter, and just do it. Sorry, 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 Nate. I'm I'm so sorry about this. Sorry. No, that's
0: okay, man. That's, and I think you're right. And well, if there's anything that the that we try to advocate for the show is that we need to have more people involved in the conversation. We need to have more people involved in politics, and yep. that's the very thing that organizations uh, like Take I'm Back Alberta be- are are exploiting. John, I want to thank you so much for your comments. I hope you enjoy your Great. wings and your beer. I got one question I got to ask you before I let you go. Uh, yep. Is the is the unicorn still in the old place where it was in the basement, or has it moved?
9: Uh, it's actually all three floors right now. It might be on the second floor because I was actually uh, – its uh, I was only uh, on the second floor because I could actually hear it as well, too. So I can hear you. So, uh. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. I used to i used to go
0: to the Unicorn when it was uh, done by uh, – it was owned by the Irish Rovers, and uh, it was in the in the basement on Stephen Avenue, and I absolutely love yeah. it. John, thank I you. I think so. they're
9: still there in the basement, but it's like on the other two levels as well, too. So uh. – Oh, by the way, I uh, just want to say also before I said, uh, Firemasters – uh, April April I know I hate to do this but June June 18th firemasters uh viewing party here in Calgary all y'all are invited if you're coming so uh yes I'm gonna be on firemasters so again so cut a pocket so <laughs> sorry sorry Nate it's all good you take care John have a good night you, Have a good night all right we got
0: old friend of mine Cj is gonna weigh in he's already said he's got some thoughts that he wants to share cj the mic is yours maybe
7: hey. I'm here. I'm here. There we I, go. You cut out. You cut out a second. Sorry,
0: CJ. What's going on?
7: Oh, well, you, you. You know I don't speak here a lot, but but I'm gonna I'm gonna speak today as if I were speaking to my fifth today, but we're gonna fix them a little bit. Um. So, the news dropped, and before I begin, I just want to let everybody know where I'm coming from. From um, Venezuelan. Got out, thankfully. My aunt, that back home was a judge, is still a judge. She used to get calls from people high in government telling her how a result should be of a trial under fear You okay there, CJ? No. I'm okay.
0: Yeah, you're just kind of cutting out a little bit. There, I want to make sure. I, I mean, that's a that's a heavy thing that you just threw down. Um, so I just wanted to check in to make sure whether or not it was the connection or or, or the subject matter. Yeah. And I think it might be the connection. We're we're losing you there, CJ. Yeah, I think we lost CJ. Awesome. So uh, um Oh, you back? So let's
7: ooh, am I back?
0: I think you might be. Let's ooh, give it another go.
7: Okay. So now let's talk about this. So I was talking to a lawyer at the University of Calgary earlier this morning, and I asked him, so what are the legal ramifications for and please, if there's any lawyers in the audience, please come up and tell me how I'm wrong. I please I want to be wrong. What are the legal effects of everything that um that just went on this morning and he said there's somebody that's lying and it's probably Daniel Smith because let's say she did call up any prosecutors telling them to drop charges or anything like that if they don't not immediately report that conversation they will be brought in front of the bar association at some point and it's going to be bad if it was the Minister of Justice, he's already facing charges in front of the Alberta Law Society. But he's got a hearing, yeah. He's got a hearing, right? He's facing charges, Well, facing something. It has to be Daniel Smith that was lying in that video. But even still, it should scare the living crap out of everybody that she would lie about something like that that could bring negative connotation to herself, negative connotation to people around her, It could bring disastrous results for any lawyers that she was talking to, members of the public service. Because remember, we all have to remember, members of the public service are independent. They are not supposed to be under the hands of the premier. They're supposed to be independent for a reason. Absolutely. So we don't know who's lying, but I'm telling everybody this is scary and this is dangerous. And that's honestly, Nate, that's all I got to say before. I say a bad word at some point. Okay.
0: I think it's, uh, you know, I really appreciate you, you weighing in and, and avoiding the bad words. Cause I don't want your, your mom to smack you again. Um, <laughs> and I don't want my mom to smack me, but um, I think it's really important to highlight the perspective that you're bringing is from, and this is what you were talking about at the beginning there. The perspective that you're bringing is from a country where politicians did Influenced the decisions of the courts And they did so using the threat of violence And or death And it didn't work out too great uh, For for the country uh, no. Is that a safe thing for me to say?
7: <laughs> no, yeah, that is a very safe thing for you to say And again, I just don't understand Why here in Canada I'm listening to things that could have been done Like I, if this was Venezuela 100% I would easily be like Okay, yeah, that, that probably happened But here this is not the reason i came here and i'm telling i know this sounds like her verbally, but everybody should be thinking triple quadruple thinking about what she just said and if it's true if it's, or if it's not true if it's not true better for everybody that it's not true bad for her she might lose an election but at this point who gives a crap and i honestly don't care who you vote for as long as you go vote it's not ucp you know and if what she did was true It's time to reconsider what the values of this country and this province and the people who decided to vote her in and will decide to vote her in again are because everybody keeps saying, I don't want to conservatives and the peers, whatever. I don't want to end up like Venezuela. Well, here you go. Here are the parallels. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no. And, you know, here's the thing that I, I keep going back to with this whole situation is we only have a couple of options here and this is, this is the reality of our current situation is that we really do only have a couple of options here. Option one is this is the end of the Danielle Smith show, God willing. Uh, And the, the, the scandal has gotten, has reached that critical mass standpoint where she will either lose the election uh, and then go away as leader of the UCP or she gets a small majority and the the caucus that remains goes yeah, that didn't work out so great. We're super vulnerable because if we get like five people who say, yeah, I don't want to do that, all of a sudden we don't get to be government anymore. That's not cool. The, the, the reality is, is right now the UCP enjoys enough members that even if 10 people decide to have a temper tantrum, it doesn't put the NDP in power. But if they get some of the numbers that are being projected, there's a very, very good reason for caucus to say, we want a new leader and we want it now. I personally think that at this point, the situation has progressed so far and it has become such a distraction for the party and we're seeing so many people leave. Sonia Savage announced just in the last couple of days she's not going to be running again. Travis Taves just announced in the last couple of days that he's not going to be running again. These are some of the heaviest hitters of the previous government and the fact that they're running for the doors I think is particularly telling. Um, so I, I, at this point, like I, I think Daniel Smith's days are incredibly numbered but the other possibility is that they aren't. And that's something that everybody, I think, needs to take very, very seriously, because if we have somebody who is willing to lie to the electorate and speak very comfortably uh, with falsehoods to the electorate or whoever, because it's convenient and it scores her some points. We saw that with the whole conversation with Arthur Pulaski that we we played. It directly contradicts things that she said both before and after that conversation reportedly <laughs> happened. Um, it, it, we, we got us a dishonest premier. That's the bottom line. And so the question that has to be, I think to the, to the province, what are we going to do about it? And speaking only for myself, I've talked on the show before about how I have some deep moral conflicts about voting for a certain not UCP candidate in my constituency in the next election. Um, I, I find this individual who's not a UCP candidate to be deeply unethical, to be deeply immoral, um, and uh, not a person that I would, would trust with much of anything. But the reality is, I think I'm getting to a place where I might be voting for a party that I said I wasn't going to vote for because it is the lesser of the two evils. And to be clear Just for the record Before I bring in our next speaker um, We're not going anywhere So regardless of who gets elected We're still going to be here poking fun of you and pissing you off Just to be clear CJ before I throw it up to Ziad Do you have any other thoughts that you wanted to end on?
7: Uh, Just um, one more thing Um, That video from the candidate down in Lethbridge Is shameful, It's disgusting And I am not Going to become a teacher To be putting up with that crap And Nobody who, be, who takes up that profession Is doing it for anything other than, be, than we love public education And we love teaching children That's all I got to say
0: Perfect, man I, You know, we have seen We've seen multiple threads We get DMs fairly regular here at the Breakdown From teachers who are expressing frustration At the system that they're working in Frustration at the under-resourced situation That they're dealing with Make no mistake The overwhelming Majority of teachers who are there are there because they love the job, they see the investment, the that the energy that they put into kids yields for the future of the province and for those kids themselves. I, I've said it before, I'll say it again. Schools in this province should be cathedrals. They should be treated with the the same degree of respect. And it's shameful that we have somebody who's claiming to be an educator lying like this. It's just it's absolutely shameful. Um I'm gonna bring in Ziad now. Hopefully, Ziad's somewhere near his microphone so that we uh, we can get the show on the road right away. Ziad, what's going on tonight?
3: Ah, oh, you timed my introduction perfectly, so hopefully you can hear me right away.
0: Absolutely can. Um, yeah.
3: I wanted to talk about uh, Danielle Smith laundering these calls with uh, Artur Pazlowski through Dennis Modry, and so this call was a call from Dennis Modry where Modry introduced Pazlowski. And Danielle Smith knows that uh, she's intentionally doing this, because she said, you know, give me some time to talk to Rob Anderson, and then I'll come back and update you guys. Um, And uh, she said, we'll do it the same way, through Dennis Modry. Now, if you look at Rob Anderson's, one of his denials today, uh, he said that, uh, to the best of his knowledge, he's never spoken to a criminal defendant in this matter. But Danielle Smith has, but if you look at her call logs, her call will be with Dennis Modry, not only this one that we're hearing the recording for, but uh, the subsequent one that she promised. Now, this happened in January, and uh, I remember when the search of the emails was happening, uh, that was the story that um, Megan Grant and Elise von Scheele at CBC did um, uh, around the 20th of January. Um, I remember replying back, saying, you know, uh, Smith um, cut off the search of emails up till the 31st of December, 2022. So, this action that happened in January the conversations with um, uh, Arta um, the additional pressure on the Crown Prosecution Service, either directly or through the Deputy Minister um, this was all happening after the email search was conveniently cut off. Um, the other thing I wanted to uh, note is that Modi resigned as the head of the Alberta... Um, sure did. Uh, um, Alberta
0: Prosperity Project. Prosperity Project,
3: pro- project yeah, uh, which has a strong independence uh, aspect to it. And he resigned around February 23rd. He's still listed as the CEO of the APP, but also on their website. They also list his 23 February sudden resignation and how they're reeling from it. So I'm speculating that... His resignation has something to do with getting wrapped up with Arta Podlowski and Podlowski being, uh, I don't remember at the was. time, we, but we very shortly thereafter, was. becoming named as the head of the Independence Party of Alberta, which has a large amount of overlap with the Prosperity Project
0: that's not actually what it was. He has actually released a statement where he has oh. been very clear about why he stepped back from the Alberta Prosperity Project and the reason is and I wish I was making this up, I should have referenced it earlier in the show, he's looking as at running for the UCP in Edmonton. <sighs>
3: Oh, interesting. The Western okay. Standard
0: did a whole interview with him, where he was very clear he hasn't made any decisions yet, but he likes he likes his odds, and so he's pursuing potentially uh, a nomination for the UCP in Edmonton. So I
3: think I think you might have mispronounced the name of that that publication, the Festering Standard.
0: I call it the Lowered Standard,
3: but oh, okay, all right, <laughs> sorry. And I'm just looking at my responses to Megan, uh, Megan, and, uh, Meg and uh, Elise uh, at uh, CBC. Um, I also noted that the Crown Prosecutor Stephen Johnston, the one that um, Podolsky mentioned, he withdrew two charges against one of the persons involved in the Coots investigation and he didn't provide any explanation why. And Tom Engel, a noted uh, defense lawyer and um, uh, public interest police accountability um, lawyer in Edmonton, uh, was um, displeased with the amount of secrecy around why those charges were dropped. Now, that happened on Monday the 16th of January, so I'm just wondering, when is it that Smith's conversation with Pozlowski was because she referred to charges being dropped, and I hope she wasn't talking to Pozlowski about charges being dropped before the special prosecutor actually dropped the charges.
0: I'm just gonna let that pregnant pause hang.
3: That's what <laughs> I'm
0: gonna do. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, no, I hope, I hope not too. Um, yeah, that would, that would be. Uh, extraordinarily bad um, yeah. anything else you wanted to throw out to either tonight yet
3: no I I think I've impregnated enough pauses for one day today
0: there you go well done all right we gotta thank you so much Ziad, and um, I I look forward to to hear it. hopefully we don't have to have you back on the show to talk about the the medication anymore but if we do we do I'm sure we'll talk again soon
3: We'll talk again about vanch masks. Uh, I received four up disclosures and it looks like Alberta health services withheld chemical testing of the vanch mask. That's confirming the allergic reactions and eye irritation they were seeing. It's all in one four up disclosure. So it's a teaser for a future discussion.
0: <laughs> okay. So you and I are going to have an offline talk after the show's done. We got Cindy who's coming in, uh, as well so i'm going to go ahead and add her and vamp for a second or two so she can make sure that she gets her uh her mic turned on or so that she can run to her phone cindy what's going on tonight Rot cindy's mic is to be speaking but cindy is not making the speaking sounds yeah that's not working uh, Cindy, I don't know what's going on, but if you want to log out and then maybe log back in, then we can, we can try adding you in again. Um, cause you do have some cool perspectives historically, uh, and I'd love to hear them, but for whatever reason, there's no noise coming from your account right now. Um, so we'll give, I'll, I'll vamp for a second or two and, uh, see what, uh, whether or not we're, we're able to make that work again. Um. You know what I'm actually going to do? I'm going to take this opportunity to uh, do the obligatory plug. I'll get it out of the way now. Um, as always, <laughs> if you appreciate the kind of content that we're trying to produce here at The Breakdown, we would love nothing more than yeah. if you signed up to be uh, one of our patron sponsors at www.patreon.com slash TheBreakdownAB. a B where for the price of a fancy muffin or cup of coffee. You can help us to continue to produce the kind of content that we do. Um, so, if you're if you're up for that, uh, it would be absolutely delightful. It it means the world, and it does make a big difference in the type of content that we're able to produce here. Uh, so if uh, if you can, that'd be great. It looks like Cindy's back in. Let's see if we have uh, some speaking noises coming from Cindy.
6: Hi, yeah. When, we you go. Added, when you added me, everything went quiet, and I couldn't hear. So um, I blame that's Elon. The, that's the fun of Twitter. Mm. Uh, do you do we know when Dennis Maudry was part of the other party was he part of the other party in march of 2021
0: uh he has been the lead on the and it's not technically another party it's just they have all of the bylaws and stuff that was posted to their website to indicate that they had the intentions of becoming another party which is where the concern came from but uh certainly his history with the app goes back a a good couple years
6: Because it's interesting because on March 16th, 2021... Um, Jason Kenney had on his Facebook an open letter from Dr. Dennis Maudry posing several questions on the COVID 19 policy and calling it an end to all public health measures. So it's interesting how he plotted him against these mandates and they kind of all dance hand in hand, you know, behind closed doors and let the public think that this is a valid concern from a cardiologist who is unlicensed and is just doing. Political pandering, and none of his concerns have any merit.
0: Yeah, I think one of the things that I would hope that we're starting to see some politicians maybe start to entertain is, I don't know, maybe do a little bit of background on the people that you're elevating before you choose to to elevate them, because modri Modry's got a very, let's go with dynamic history in uh, Alberta and Alberta politics. And it's really quite surprising. Uh, I remember when that when Kenny published that letter as well, and I was like, "Oh, that's a bold choice." And just because people are willing to agree with you doesn't necessarily mean that they're on your side. I feel like perhaps that's a lesson that maybe maybe Arthur learned about a certain premier-y person recently.
6: Well, really? Like there should be a disclosure. Like, hello, this doctor quote is also. Um, a politician you know he has a vested interest in this it's just ridiculous what the public is not privy to in the games that are continued to be played Um, I hope something comes out of this video uh, that Archer made you know and and like I think the majority of Albertans definitely want to see him face some sort of comeuppance for the sheer level of disruption that he caused when we're just trying to keep everybody safe. The vast majority of churches, um, actual churches, uh, responded in kind Absolutely. and we're happy to protect, you know the, their um, I don't even know what you call them, patrons whatever i haven't done church since
0: i was a child congregants <laughs> i believe there is the yes <laughs> uh,
6: you know there was that outburst in edmonton and they had their little tantrum things like that but generally it wasn't an issue they just went online and okay this is what we're going to do to keep people safe you know so it would be a real shame if there was interference that it literally interfered with um the proper prosecution of what he did
0: I mean, I feel like I'm going, I'm not really going out on much on a limb when I say the big question that you see people always sort of ask to, to justify their, their, their that, that you see Christians ask when they're, when they're justifying their, their decisions is what would Jesus do? And I feel like Jesus, from what I know, probably wouldn't have invoked racist dog whistles and shouted mis- misogynistic things at female police officers. I could be wrong but that's just my speculation.
5: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, Any crazy other...
6: times. I can't wait for Smith to get out of there. You know, I really don't think she's that smart. I think she's been positioned and I think she's taking a lot of information from a lot of people, putting her at the forefront and she's just soaking it up without really the intelligence to be there. That's just my personal take.
0: Yeah, no, I. it's, it's fascinating to watch because, you know, and there are people who have, known Smith for quite some time who have publicly said Danielle Smith pre-COVID uh, pre-her ejection from politics was a very very different person than the the Danielle Smith that we're seeing now um, I, I have to be honest I have only ever had one conversation with Danielle Smith um, it wasn't anything to speak of um, but the I think probably one of the biggest problems that we're seeing from Daniel Smith is that she got very, very good at being a radio talk show host. And I think that she kind of shifted gears out of being a somebody who was interested in governance, somebody who was interested in leadership. Um, and I think that that she's been caught up in her own uh, Daniel Smith show. And I think that she's woefully unprepared for the role that she finds herself in. Um She's very very good at talking to people I've said this before I'll keep saying it She's very very gifted when it comes to Talking to people making them feel heard That's one of the, her big strengths But She's also Willing to say and do anything in order to To make people feel that way And, and there's no It seems like no no awareness or concern For consequence um, I, I, I honestly don't see How Daniel Smith survives uh, These events I just don't see it So
6: I certainly hope not
0: Yeah and to be clear I don't wish her or anybody else any ill will I would just like them to not be in positions Where they can hurt people
6: That's right it's exactly right So yeah
0: anything else you want to share Cindy
6: no, I just wanted to bring that piece up, but I just connected those dots and went, oh, wait a minute, because when they were talking, I'm like, okay, who is this Dennis Maudry fella? Um, I listened to this earlier today, and I'm like, oh, I don't know who this fella is. And so I looked him up, and I went, oh, wait a minute. There's, <laughs> there's some connections here.
0: Yeah, he was, he was one of the, the hosts of the, the Alberta Prosperity Project slash Rebel News uh, debate. Um and he's got I mean if anybody wants to go down the Google rabbit hole on, on Dr. Dennis Modry there's no shortage of like oh really moments to find.
6: Oh, so gross.
0: <laughs> Some of the things I definitely don't disagree with you on. Cindy, thank you so much for, for for joining in tonight. Uh Ziad's got his hand up, so I'm gonna bring him back in and uh I think we're, we're getting close to the, the end of the road here, folks, because we're coming up to two hours, and we try to do only an hour and a half. But, uh, Ziad, what's going on? What do you got to add?
3: I looked into when it is that um, Smith had this conversation with Pazlowski, and it was on the 26th of January. Uh, you don't see that in the CBC report. They say it was in early January, uh, but it's actually on the 26th of January. So this is after Prosecutor Stephen Johnston dropped two of the charges against a different coots defendant. So... Um, I asked the question. I didn't see it in the CBC article, but I looked in some other reporting and found the, the date of the conversation that um, from the video you played today.
0: So that was January 26th.
3: Yeah. And his trial was supposed to be February 2nd.
0: Yes. Yes. Um, so, I mean, what that speaks to, I'm glad I'm glad that you found that out because I've been looking for the date as well. hadn't been able to find it. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think what that speaks to is that puts all of what she said in the the conversation about the well i thought i had clemency um well i thought all of this other stuff uh after public statements where uh she said "Ah, no it's an american thing everybody knows that so she's still repeating the same things despite the fact that she's publicly contradicted them which is Probably not that all, all that shocking, but certainly
3: telling. If I'm Pozlowski's defense lawyer, I'm calling her as a witness. What a great character witness. The premier doesn't want you to be charged. Plus, look at how much effort she's put in damaging the justice system in order to prevent you from being charged. What a great witness to call.
0: You're going to give me nightmares, man. <laughs> 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 like, how does this case, like at this point, how does this case not get way more complicated because, uh, and I'm not a lawyer, got to be really clear about that. But at this point, why wouldn't you call Daniel Smith? Why wouldn't you call Rob Anderson? Why, why wouldn't you call of the, uh, call all of these other people and say, hey, there were some things that were said here. Um, we'd like to to explore this a little bit.
3: Yeah, I think there might be some breach of trust kind of things that would make it more interesting because the premier's call logs would say she had a call with Dennis Modry, but the reality is her call was with Arthur Boslowski. So I think it causes all of her call logs to come under question.
0: Boy, we're in a dark place right now. Thanks for that, (laughs) Zed.
3: My my pleasure. I spread sunshine.
0: There we go. Um, All right, I'm going to wrap it up there uh, because... It's been it's been a busy little night I want to say a big thank you to everybody who's been watching on all of the platforms for anybody who's familiar with the show you know that we stream on the YouTube we stream on the Twitter we stream on the Facebook we do the Twitter spaces and it's uh it's 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 a good little turnout tonight. So I want to say a big thank you to everybody who has been listening tonight. I want to say an especially big thanks to everybody who spoke up to, to share some thoughts, even if they're the stuff of nightmares, coughs, yeah, cough. But again, it's it's these these different perspectives that are so critical in trying to make sense of where we are and how we got to where we are right now, as well as like CJ did to provide some warnings for where we could potentially be going if we don't start doing things differently i want to just say again real quick the the function of this show is to try to have some fun but it is also to try to get the conversation going get people talking raise some awareness so you know we're heading into hopefully because one of the scenarios that I saw floated today was, you know, if they get rid of Smith, if caucus decides to say this is ridiculous, we're done enough of this. If they decide to get rid of her before the election, it's entirely possible that we could see the UCP turn around and say, hey, you know what? We got to we got to find a new leader before we have an ele- can't have an election without a leader. That'd be ridiculous. So we're going to find us a new leader and then we'll, uh, we'll we'll go from there. That's a possibility. Who knows what's going to happen? The most important thing, though is trying to get people more educated and more aware for what's going on and why the people who are in positions of power are manipulating people using fear, using misinformation, using disinformation. It's incredibly harmful. So have the conversations this week. If everybody is listening to the show, whether you're listening to the live version on one of the streaming platforms or whether you're listening to the podcast version tomorrow, pick one person and say, hey, did you hear about this shit? Because it will make a difference. There's going to be some people who don't like you. All you have to do is take a look at the comments section on any of our live streams. And you'll see there's plenty of folks who've got some strong feelings. But those aren't the people that you're going to reach. They've already made up their minds. The people that you need to reach are the people who don't know. Who don't realize what's going on. So by having a conversation, you can help it do that. It's uncomfortable. It's awkward. But at least you're not... Doing a live stream in front of a couple of hundred people And embarrassing yourself that way Could always be worse Thank you again to everybody As always uh, Take some time for self-care Take care of each other And keep the conversation going